Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we're pleased to be joined by Josh Jabal. He is Commissioner of the State Department of Administrative Services. Good morning to you, sir. Morning. So for people who might not be super familiar with state government, tell us what DAS does, for starters. Sure. Um, Well, we uh, provide a a wide variety of essentially the business functions of running the state government. So, for example, we're responsible for the the state's technology, uh, procurement functions, everything we buy, um, human resources, all of our real estate and facilities, uh, management of the state fleet. Uh, and, a, and a variety of other kind of smaller functions, but I'll give you a bit of a sense of the the types of uh, back office support that we provide that enable all the other state agencies to to do their jobs effectively and hopefully uh, save as much money for the taxpayers as possible. That sounds as if it could be a bit unwieldy. Uh, it can be. It can be. But we've got a great team, um, and it's important, uh, you know, in any large organization, to have you know great people helping you and and uh, helping to drive the missions forward in those different groups. Now, you were appointed by Governor Lamont after he took office, and you don't have the typical background that many commissioners do. You don't come from politics. You come from business and IT, right? That's correct. Yeah, I've spent uh, almost my whole career in the technology industry um, at companies big and small. So I worked for uh, 11 years at IBM. Uh, it's about as big as it gets. Uh, in fact, about you know six or seven times larger than the, the state government. So uh, not a stranger to large bureaucratic organizations. Uh, but also on the small side, so I was CEO of a, of a small software company here in Connecticut that we grew pretty rapidly and then was acquired by another big company. So uh, the common theme, though, is um, is using technology to help uh, you know make the world around us a, a better place. Now, just under a month ago, the governor announced plans to streamline the state's human resources functions. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, well, one of the things the governor talked a lot about during the campaign, you know, he also comes from a private sector background, as I'm sure you and many of your listeners know, um, was trying to bring some more uh, kind of private sector best practices to bear on how we run the state. And one of the things he talked a lot about was the fact that, um, you know, we've got, you know, 30 or so kind of state agencies uh, providing, you know, wide variety of services from, you know, DOT looking after our road, you know, transportation infrastructure to Department of Corrections running our prisons and so on and so forth. Today, most of those agencies um, provide a lot of their business uh, support separately. So as an example for human resources, Almost all state agencies have their own human resources department. And so you can kind of quickly imagine the inefficiencies that that creates with people uh, working to uh, write policies, uh, you know, manage uh, the workforce, recruit, all kind of reinventing the wheel uh, in each of those agencies. And so one of the things the governor uh, thought would be logical was to combine uh, many of those business functions, to bring them together, uh, and then give us the opportunity to create critical mass, to specialize, to get more efficient 
at what we do, also to reduce the cost of, of administering those processes and help reduce the state's cost structure overall. Um, so we spent the first several months of the administration uh, analyzing that, taught, meeting with the commissioners, meeting with the, the respective folks in the agencies, and trying to build out a plan and make sure that that did, in fact, make sense, that there wasn't something we're missing. We know the government is different than the private sector in many important ways, but what we ultimately concluded was, uh, in fact, it did make a lot of sense, and, and the hypothesis was kind of proven out. So we, we announced uh, that a couple weeks ago, as you, as you mentioned, and now we're in the implementation process of uh, bringing together about 350 human resources professionals that are currently scattered about state government, centralizing them, specializing, uh, and driving efficiency over time. So do they become part of DAS as opposed to their, their current agencies? Yeah, that's correct. Most of them will. Um, a, 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 a slice of the, the, the group will, uh, who handle labor relations matters will be reporting into the Office of Policy and Management, OPM, who has statutory responsibility for labor relations. But the, the majority of them will become part of Administrative Services Department. They'll be moving into our offices uh, at 450 Columbus Boulevard and all the excitement associated with that. Now, if you've applied for a state job versus a private sector job, the the process is, has been different if you've done this in the past, uh, probably more paper than than electronics in some cases. How will that onboarding process change? Sure. Um, you know, there's there's a number of changes, some of which have already been implemented. So actually, the, the person that we appointed as the new deputy commissioner for human resources as part of this consolidation, uh, Nick Herms. Uh, has been with the state for several years. He's actually driven already some significant transformation in how we recruit externally in terms of using more modern online tools and, and job postings um, that uh, actually make it a much more attractive experience for people applying. It creates a much better first impression, too, for people uh, that's important uh, when you're out looking for a new job. Um, but we're also, as you allude to, going to be really re-engineering how once someone accepts a job offer, we all know how important those the next phases are in terms of how they're onboarded, what their first impressions are once they join. Uh, there's been a lot of research that shows those first impressions actually go a long way towards determining how long someone ultimately stays in a job. So that's important. Um, you know, today a lot of the the onboarding is very manual, very paper based. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a new state employee. I joined about six months ago, and I, I walked in my first day, and I was presented a you know about an inch thick stack of papers that I needed to complete with pen, you know, wet ink. Uh, Filling out the the stuff that normally I think when people join a new company now they're doing online, you know, filling in your address and your direct deposit and your dependents and all that stuff. It's all paper based today, so we're looking to to uh, you know bring in a more modern uh, experience where people can self service a lot of that stuff. Again, not not rocket science uh, and stuff that I think a lot of your listeners will be listening to and saying, "Gosh, you know, I already do that at my place of business." But you know, governments generally are a little slow to adopt new technology. Connecticut is no different, I think. Um, so we've got a lot of opportunity to improve. Certainly, this will provide for a better experience for the new hire. Will it also save the state money in the long run? Absolutely. So, um, you know, again, when you think about these paper-based processes, you know, it's the time wasted by the new employee kind of filling them in, but then the, the paper gets pushed across to, to an administrator who then has to sit at a computer and key whack all that information in. That's wasted time. Um, you know, when, when people are manually entering data, of course, it's more prone to error and you know, so this is one small example, but then you blow that out to the scale of the state of Connecticut, and you think about all the things that we do that are manual, that are paper-based, and the the opportunity we have to digitize that, to move those forms online, and the time that that will save, and, and the fewer number of people that will need to administer all these processes. And yes, it'll add up to, to real savings. It's not going to be a big 
bang, um, but it's a lot of singles and doubles that we need to string together to, to generate real savings. Now, as you noted, you've been on the job for about six months now. I'm guessing you've had a chance to kind of kick the tires of the agency and see how things work. What was the most striking thing you found? You know, I think there's been, uh, you know, a lot of, to a large extent, it's kind of what I expected, I'd say. Um, You know, I've been very pleasantly surprised by the fact that I think a lot of the challenges that we have um, are are very similar to challenges I've seen in the private sector, both at companies I've I've worked at, as well as clients I've served over the years. So the good news there is I don't think we have to go uh, create lots of new technology or, you know, invent new approaches or processes for doing things, I think we really can adopt a lot of private sector best practices and, and you know, software products that are already you know, well-established in the marketplace and get a lot of value out of that very quickly. So that's really encouraging. Um, you know, it's definitely a, an environment, though, where it's, it is more challenging to manage. I think uh, the, the managers in, in the state uh, you know, are, do a really great job you know, not having access to a lot of the tools that managers you know, in, in the private sector have, the ability to reward high performers, um, to, to hold low, low performers more accountable. It's not as easy to do that in state employment. So we really have to you know, work harder to, to work with the, with the workforce to get done what we need to get done. Now, in terms of rolling out the the streamlining of HR processes in state government, where do you stand now, and what's the timeline for implementing everything? Sure. So we uh, announced it a couple weeks ago. Um, We we are going to be doing all the detailed planning to be ready to go live with the new organization probably towards the end of this year. Um, and then, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be the kind of go live date and, uh, and then we're off and running. Now, in terms of your experience in the private sector, if, if you come across a, a challenge, I'm guessing you have contacts you might be able to reach out to and say, oh, I know someone who knows how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's not just me, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people who've come into this administration, um, from a, a wide variety of different backgrounds. I think the governor has done an incredible job of assembling a, a cabinet, and an inner circle staff of people with a very complementary set of experiences. So we've got some people who've been in state government for a while, who know their way around, know how to get things done, know how to get bills passed through the legislature. Um, And then there's a lot of people like me who come from the private sector from a variety of different directions, uh, who bring networks of people who haven't historically been as involved in the state government, um, but who I think, uh, you know, are are interested in helping. You know, I've been really impressed by the, the amount of people who, I think historically have not taken much of an interest in state government and have raised their hand and say, I want to help. I want to serve on a border commission or I want to be involved in an advisory group to help solve a hard problem. Um, people are very generous with their time. I think people understand that it's an important time for the state of Connecticut that we're, you know, we've kind of, we're bottoming out, you know, kind of some long-term fiscal challenges that have accumulated over the years and taking the right steps to get the state going for long-term growth. And I, I think people want to roll up their sleeves and help with that. I'll tell you, the governor and his wife, they have an unbelievable network uh, through their careers. Uh, they, they know just about everyone. So if there's ever someone we need to try to get to to get some help with something, uh, there's the odds are either they or, or someone in the administration uh, knows how to get it done. And in terms of people, how important is that institutional knowledge in state government, especially when you're dealing with HR? It's very important. You know, I think it's a, it's a you know, the state's an organization that's been around a long time. It has its norms. It has its ways of doing things. It's got its relationships, uh, people who've worked together for many years. Um, so it's critically important, and it's uh, it's an area where I know you know people like myself coming in new is a blind spot for us, right? Uh, not not knowing our way around as much. Um, so I think it's been important for me and, and for many of us to spend a lot of the first months on the job listening and learning, and not coming in and assuming we know all the answers to everything. I've tried 
hard not to do that. Um, and also to surround yourself with people who have been around and know how to get things done. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Josh Jabal. He is the commissioner of the Department of Administrative Services. Challenges. What challenges do you face in implementing this new HR strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think whether it's the HR strategy or, or change generally in the state, um, you know, the challenges are, are, you know, when you think about government generally, right, and, and compare it to, you know, most of probably what your listeners are used to in the private sector, certainly my own experience, private sector, you know, you have to compete, right? You, you're, you're, you have competitors, your customers have other options, and you have to go out every day and find a way to get better, to add more value, to, to innovate, um, or else, if you don't, over the long term, you know your business model is is not going to work out. Um, you know, you're going to go out, going to go bust, and everyone's going to lose their job. And you know that that kind of competitive uh, requirement creates a sense of urgency in people. I think to be willing to take risks, to be open to change, um, not not for everyone, but generally speaking, um, government doesn't have that right. Government doesn't have a natural predator right that's uh, on its heels to try to uh, take its customers. Um, and I think that that you know often will create a, a sense of complacency, right, and a, and, a, and a view that you know the status quo is kind of good enough. It's been that way forever. We can just keep doing it that way. And so that's that's what we need to overcome. And um, you know that that's really the, the biggest challenge. I think um, you know I think the good news is uh, we do have a lot of people in state service who um, who have the right mindset that that are excited to change that that are, you know I think are embracing a lot of the new ideas that we're bringing in in the Lamont administration. Um, you know we also have this dynamic where there there is going to be a lot of change in the workforce, uh, uh, um, no matter what, in the sense that we have about a third of the state's executive branch workforce. Um, is going to retire in the next three years. Um, so there's a clause in the state employee contract that was signed uh, back in 2017 that said, that changes the formula for the pension COLA calculations. I'm getting a little into the weeds here. Cost but it's, of living, yeah. It's, it's important uh, to, under, to appreciate that um, that formula changes uh, on July 1st, 2022. So if you're retirement eligible on June 30th, 2022, you can leave with a, a much more advantageous uh, COLA formula for your pension if you stay that extra day, um, it, it gets whacked pretty good. And so, you know, most of the people we've talked to who will be retirement eligible have confirmed they've done the math. They've all got their spreadsheets for their pensions, and they they're going to retire. So, we're going to have a third of the workforce out the door in the next three years, which is a huge risk. Um, a lot of institutional knowledge that that we'll be losing, but it's also a huge opportunity, right, to reshape how we do things, to look at the types of skills we need look at the work that we do and determine whether some of it maybe isn't as important today as it was once upon a time. Or there's software that we can use to get things done that we don't need to uh, throw bodies at it as much as we have in the past. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really exciting op- time and opportunity, actually, for people who like to think about the kind of gorpy work of running a big organization like this and how we can do it better. Um, and so there's a lot of work uh, going on now to start to plan for that. So a lot of people have that date circled on their calendar. Is there any concern that you're not going to be able to find the qualified personnel to to fill those positions that you you will be filling? Uh, absolutely, it's a it's a major concern. Um, you know, we we have to, as I said, you know, rethink you know how many people we'll need to refill. Um, you know, given our budget challenges, obviously the less the better. Um, but at the same time, we know there are a lot of roles that we absolutely we need to refill. There's roles that 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 cannot be substituted with software. 
um, where you need human beings on the front line doing, you know, critical service work, looking after neglected children or, you know, providing protective services, state police, for example, right? Um, so uh, so there, are, there are big challenges associated with that. It's a very competitive job market right now. Unemployment's very low. You know, when I think about the types of skills that we need in DAS, particularly like in our in our technology organization, you know, pe- people who have, you know, modern technology skills are unbelievably in demand right now. And I think the equation that we offer in terms of the culture of the state workforce is, is not well aligned, candidly, with, with what those people are looking for. I, I've hired hundreds of those folks over the years in my professional career. I have a very good sense of what they're looking for. And, and uh, you know, the, the state value proposition around, you know, high job security, right, is, is not really what those people are after. They know they can get jobs anywhere. They're looking to, you know, to work in a dynamic work environment. They're looking for flexibility. They're looking for, you know, a really challenging group of people to work with uh, that are going to excite them. They're looking to be rewarded when they do a great job. And so we don't quite have that equation right today, but, you know, we're in discussions with our, with our teammates in labor about changes we might be able to make to improve that equation and ensure that we can attract and retain the, the type of workers that we need for the next generation. Do you think some of that is marketing? Sure. Sure. Yeah. We've done a poor job marketing ourselves. I mean, I think if you think about any other $20 billion organization like the state is, usually they'll have a very large sales and marketing department that spend all their time talking about how, how great your products and services are, right? We don't. We obviously don't have that in the state. We don't. We have a small tourism budget, I guess, uh, right? <laughs> it's, it's really a drop in the budget, I think, that uh, in the bucket. I think that team does a good job with what they have. But we, we do a very poor job of, of selling the state generally, I think. All of the incredible things that we have to offer, the quality of life, the educated workforce, the great schools. You know, I, I'm from the shoreline. I mean, I think the Connecticut shoreline is one of the, is a national treasure. Just it's unbelievably beautiful, especially this time of year. Um, you know, and so we don't market the state well. And I don't think we don't – we haven't historically marketed state employment as well as I think we can either. I think a lot of people who are in state service now – do it because they care about serving their fellow citizens, right? They care about making a difference in their communities and giving back. It's why I took this job. Um, I know it's why the governor ran for office. So I think there's a lot more we can do to, to play up the value proposition of serving your state. Talking about technology, it seems that for, for decades now, the state has been trying to upgrade its technology and get all the systems talking to each other. How's that going? You know, we've, we've been making some progress, I think, over the years, um, but there's so much more to do. Um, you know, this is often a, a bit of an afterthought um, in the state. Um, it's hard work and it's complicated work to really adopt new technology and to get value from it. And so, um, you know, we're, we're uh, actually in, in the process right now, given the governor's, you know, intense focus in this area, you know, I was chosen for this role specifically because of my background in technology. You know, we're looking at several initiatives we're kicking off now to modernize the state's technology infrastructure, uh, one of which, um, you know, is, is around um, the services we provide to businesses in this state. So um, today, if you're starting a new business, for example, you have to figure out mostly on your own how to navigate a, a number of state agencies that you have to interact with to register your business, like the Secretary of State, to get a tax ID number at Department of Revenue Services, um, to register with the Department of Labor if you're going to have employees and the, and the requirements associated with that. If there's occupational licensing associated with the business that you're starting, you're going to be interacting with the Department of Consumer Protection and on and on and on. Today, that's a bit of a, you know, a, a, a burden on business owners uh, to figure that all out. And so what we're looking to do is put in place a system which we're uh, likely going to call the Business One Stop, where people can funnel into that site and get in one place 
uh, all of the services and interactions with all those different agencies that they need to be able to get those tasks done in a much more modern and user-friendly experience that people have grown to expect when they're doing things online, right? I think a lot of online shopping sites, a lot of our banks have trained us on how easy it should be to get things done, how intuitive it should be to get things done online. Um, and so we're going to be looking to bring more of that experience to not just businesses, but citizens as well um, in, the, in the years to come. So, for example, if you're registering with the state, only having to provide your name and address once as opposed to you know, five times at every different agency, something you, like you that. You got it. So, again, I mentioned before I, w- I was the CEO of a, of a small business here in Connecticut, a software company. Um, I, t- I tell people a, an anecdote that when I became a state employee, um, you know, I have, a, I have a password manager like a lot of people do, like a password vault on my computer that stores all my passwords and, you know, scrambles up unique passwords for every website. Anyway, I, so I got a, you know, I got my state uh, email, right? And so I set up my, my email and my password for my state email. My, my password vault suggested when I first hit that state website, eight different possible usernames and passwords associated with my prior experience as a small business CEO of all of the different state websites that I had had to create a unique username and password for to interact with them. It's exactly what you're talking about. That's that's crazy. That shouldn't have to exist in this day and age. We should have one user ID and password. We log in. We're recognized. The state knows so much information about us already. We shouldn't have to rekey ever what's our address, what's our social security number, what's our um, driver's license, uh, you know, number or when's the renewal due? All this information we already know as a state. We should never have to ask you for that. We should be able to be proactive about reminding you when there's a renewal coming up, giving you the services to be able to renew those types of things, you know, from home online, you know, online rather than having to go into an office and grab a number uh, from the deli uh, counter <laughs> number generator there and wait in line for an hour or two. It's uh, it's not the type of user experience people expect today, and it's not what we want to give them. What's the oldest technology still in service you've heard about in state government? Oh gosh, you know, there's there's a lot of systems out there that still have the old green screens. You know, uh, it's it, there's a lot of very old technology out there. By the way, that's not unusual for a large organization. I think many people would be somewhat surprised, to, you know, to go to some of the large banks or, or large companies uh, and see how antiquated some of their kind of core technology is as well. Um, so, uh, you know, again, we, we, we give ourselves a hard time, but, you know, in, in many respects like that, I don't think we're all that different than any big organization. But um, again, it's just, I think, a point that there's a huge opportunity for us to kind of leapfrog a few uh, generations of technology now um, and bring, you know, much more efficient modern tools to bear for our employees and for the citizens and businesses of Connecticut. You know, you know, I think I saw a story about U.S. minesweeping ships still running on Windows 98 or something. So certainly Connecticut's not alone. No, not at all. Yeah, there's some stories out there like that that are a little terrifying, actually. Um, but, um, you know, we, we've got a, we do have a lot of work to do, though, here in Connecticut as well. When you took this job, what was the feedback from people you knew in the private sector? <laughs> um, you know, it was a it was a mix of uh, of wondering if I'd lost my marbles uh, to um, to gratitude. I think for you know for willing being willing to accept the challenge. I think you know all of us who serve in state service um, do so because you know we care about our, our state and our and our fellow citizens, and we want to give back in some way and. Um, you know, I, I, I'm greatly appreciative of, of you know, the, the people that I serve with who, you know, many of whom have other choices about doing things and making more money elsewhere, but are willing to, at least for a period of their career, you know, serve the state. Um, I think it's a great experience, um, very gratifying. And, um, you know, I think a lot, a lot of my friends and colleagues appreciated that. 
Anything new we can expect coming out of DAS in the next six months or so? Oh, gosh, yeah. So much we're working on. I think a lot of, around the technology uh, side of the house, as I've been alluding to, a lot of new initiatives you'll see kicking off and starting to deliver incremental value uh, that businesses and, and citizens of this state can uh, can see and, and, and appreciate, um, giving new and better tools to our employees as well to help them become more productive. Um, but there's a wide variety of initiatives we have across all those different functions I mentioned that have a common theme, right? They're really looking to bring modern best practices to bear in how we run the state with the goal of providing the highest quality services at the lowest possible cost. He is Josh Jabal, Commissioner of the State Department of Administrative Services. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.